0: You are listening to Feminine, a podcast featuring conversations with feminist organizers, advocates, and leaders. This episode may contain some profanity. Sorry, Mom. Recording. Um... So this is Feminine Podcast, um, which is a podcast focusing on feminist uh, advocates, leaders, and organizers. And today, um, oh, so I'm Allison. Um, I got to work on my my intro. The It's real smooth so far. Uh, <laughs> and um, so I don't know if you want to introduce yourself. Yes. Yeah, so, um.
1: Thank you, Allison, for having me. Uh, my name is Petra Al-Sufi, and um, I am a Muslim American Yemeni uh, woman.
0: Thank you for being here. I'm really excited um, for this conversation. And as a sidebar, I finally got you to sit down and have coffee with me. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Finally, we did it. <laughs> um. So yeah, so let's just go ahead and get started right away. So um, kind of, a, um, I'm really interested because you, well, I guess we'll back up a little. Um, so again, with like, you know, I'm a real smooth host so far. Um, <laughs> we know each other because we were both connected to the Leadership Academy at GVSU yeah. and um, or Grand Valley State University for people who um don't live in Michigan. Um, and I did actually end up being a member of the Leadership Academy a couple years after we met. Because I think I think when I met you, you were in the Academy. Um, and I was working on a separate project with Gleaves. Gleaves Whitney. Yes. Yep. So.
1: Yeah. I think we overlapped maybe a year. I, I graduated in 2011. So I... Yeah, we definitely yeah. overlapped in the academy and then just our interaction with the Huntstein Center um, mm-hmm. uh, at Grand Valley, you know, Lakers for life. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and and you have like, um, I mean, so you've always been connected with like excellence and leadership in my mind and you've continued to live that out. So, um you currently work for the Institute for Social Policy and Understanding. Is that, um, is that work that you want to talk about? Or I guess like, um, here's an open door for you to just talk about yeah. whatever you want.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Well, first of all, that's very humbling. Um, just to hear, to hear you say that, um, I have not actually always been connected to, to I guess, greatness and um, open mm. doors. I was fortunate enough to seize opportunities when I see them, and mm. um, you know, in and in in work to make the most out of those opportunities, not only for myself but for people around me. Um, and I think that's what made me very fortunate to connect with people like yourself, um, who are also passionate <laughs> about things like that. Um, so yes, I work right now for the Institute for Social Policy and Understanding. Um, it is. a a research institute uh, that does Mm -hmm. research on American Muslims. Um, I introduced myself as an American Muslim uh, woman Mm -hmm. at the beginning. I'm also um, a woman who wears the scarf, or as we call them, you know, hijabis. Um, And I came of age after 9-11, so my identity is Mm -hmm. shaped by that experience. Um, And especially going to school in West Michigan... You know, the Bible Belt of the Midwest, um, there were a lot of opportunities for growth and learning and sharing. Um, and that's actually where I learned about the Institute for Social Policy and Understanding. Um, oh, really? Yes, I, I, I learned about it at Grand Valley when I was taking a, a course with Professor Devin Dundalk, who's now at ha- Aquinas, I believe. Um,
0: oh, no, wait, that's where I got my first degree from.
1: And he was te- teaching a class on uh, American religion and politics. And so, of course, we were talking about religious minorities and a lot mm-hmm. of other issues that I don't remember, unfortunately. Um, but that's where I came across um, the institute. And uh, it's an okay. organization that research. The, does a, one of the projects we do is a, a, survey, a, gener- a survey of general public opinion of Americans from, you know, all different faith uh, backgrounds um, on a lot of issues, you know, like civic engagement, community-related issues like divorce, marriages, disability, um, and then, um, you know, discrimination, um, and then civic engagement. Um, And what makes the Institute stand out is it's the only one that actually include a representative sample of American Muslims. So you could find other data about American Jews, American Christians, you know, uh, non-affiliated with other organizations, but you don't find anything on American Muslims. So that's where we come in. Um, Wow. To kind of close it up a little bit, um, my journey so far, what brought me from Grand Valley to um, ISPU is a lot of different things that have touched on different parts of my identity as an American, as a Muslim, as an American Muslim, as a woman, as someone from an Arab background. Um, all of these identities were, like, have a lot of different needs. And I've always felt torn mm-hmm. of which identity I need to be serving or which identity I need to be paying attention more to. Um, and what i found with the work that I currently do with the, with ISPUs, I'm able to fulfill the need in so many different areas of who I am. Um, so being able to serve the larger American community, which I'm deeply passionate about, especially protecting our democracy, and also serving mm-hmm. American Muslims, which, you know, that's my community, and those are people that I want to to really um, uh, be, to you know, to have the have the same opportunities that other people have that makes sense
0: yeah yeah absolutely um that's really interesting that you know you're just that you feel like your directions are pulled in so many different places because you have these um almost divisible parts of yourself yeah um that's that's really interesting um so if I can ask, um, because you had mentioned that 9-11, um, you know, you came of age after that and I, I sort of wonder, you know, also, you know, obviously that has probably played into how you see yourself, um, as a person and also maybe how you think the world sees you or at least mm-hmm. this country in particular, um, And I wonder how and if that has shaped your work. Like if you would be doing this, if that wasn't a part of you. It's a really good question. Um, (laughs) I think the short answer is,
1: I don't know if I, I don't know, you know. Right. Um, I I remember when, you know, growing up um, wanting just like, a lot of other kids I wanted to be a teacher maybe a doctor even a police officer or all kind of random things that I wanted to be um mm-hmm. but I don't know which one of them if any I would have picked um as an adult if if 9-11 didn't happen um I think my experiences uh, so yes growing up after 9-11 did shape a lot of um I think it shaped how people view me. You know, mm-hmm. it definitely shaped how I viewed myself, and I how ha- how I continue to view myself, and that have changed. Mm-hmm. So, nine mm-hmm. eleven happened, and I was in eighth grade. <laughs> okay, um, you know, so it's like really like what is our understanding of the world as eighth graders? Um, and I think right. it's important to mention that I was in a very small. Predominantly working class white community, um, and we didn't. We had a very small si- um uh, small uh, Yemeni uh, Yemeni Muslim community there. So that's already mm-hmm. part of the conversation. You know, as an immigrant, as an immigrant group in a predominantly working class white community, um, and also as a young person, like you don't right. know, right? Um, remembering from. You know those few years pre and after nine eleven i th- i I was too focused on school and too focused on just mm. making a path for myself that I probably didn't realize a lot of things that were happening around me. um I was also very fortunate to surround myself with an extra extraordinary group of friends um who we really mm. got each other back um you know, they also happen to be white Christian kids. Um, we, that's all that matter. We were in that group as a middle school and high school kids, you know, when you're thinking people cared about sports or theater or AP classes or whatever, and that was our world. Um, I think what made it a little bit different for me is the questions I was getting from my teachers or from people around me that, back then I didn't think too much of, but now that I'm an adult Mm. and doing this work, I'm like, oh, okay, that's where this is coming from. Um, A lot of questions about Islam, a lot of questions about my country of origin, a Mm. lot of uh, questions about, oh, so this group did this thing, how do you feel about it? Or how does your family feel about it? (gasps) And just, you know, I took it as any other kid would take it. One... I was confused on why I'm being asked. Um, But part of it, Mm -hmm. I went home and did as much research as I can to make sure that I come back to school the next day and have the proper answer for my teachers because I am my culture or my religious ambassador. That's how I saw myself, which was not really fair at all to place that uh, um, on me or on on any other kid. But we didn't see an alternative. You know what I mean? Um, And what? When I reflect on that experience now, um, my advice is don't ever do that to your students because some of the information I provided to my Mm -hmm. teachers were horrible. (laughs) Like, just plain wrong. But I didn't know any better. Like, I didn't know what other information you needed. I was Googling them or whatever we were doing back then, you know,
0: and coming. Asking Jeeves
1: yeah thank you that's what it was <laughs> and literally just giving them the first article i found on the topic oh not knowing if it was accurate if it was not like you know now i know it wasn't
0: right
1: you know but that's what i was doing
0: right
1: um so that was my experience then then in west michigan again i stood out because it's west michigan and it's predominantly white christian Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I But I think I was sheltered to a degree because I was very, very involved in everything on campus. And mm. so, what that allowed me was uh, it gave me a platform to speak and to share mm. and to educate. So, and then, you know, being a little bit more mature than an eighth grader or a middle, you know, um, high schooler, <laughs> I was able to to do more um, work on myself and who I am. And connect with the right speakers and the right resource <laughs> for information, right? Um, so I really right. seized the opportunity to share um, information about my culture and my religion with people. It was also the time that I was exposed to Mus- Muslim feminism at Grand Valley State. Mm. And that's where I started learning about my religion from a theology perspective as opposed to a cultural experience, um, and so that that changed everything.
0: But um, well, I'll stop there. <laughs> no, that's fine. I so I think that's extraordinary on two levels. Like first of all, just to come, like what kind of a teacher is asking a thirteen-year-old to provide the information on a topic? That's just insane. Um, I think it was. But- Yes. So quickly on that (laughs) point,
1: a lot of teachers, a lot of teachers. I think Mm, most of mm -hmm. them, unfortunately, were actually coming from good, like with good intentions because they're seeing you. I'm not trying to find excuses for them. I think they saw that student who is Muslim or Arab or Pakistani or black or whatever and somehow assumed you know more about this than I as a white male, whatever. But I think what they missed in that is, one, you're talking to a kid. Two, you're otherizing Mm -hmm. that kid. Three, it is your responsibility as a teacher. I know it's not fair, but this is your job to actually go and do... Like if you don't know, which most of us don't know a lot of things about a lot of things you have mm-hmm. to go and find out, not ask a kid to provide you that information. Um that haven't changed since 9-11. It's it's still a case. Mm-hmm. Kids are still being asked in 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 certain situations it's actually gotten worse um mm-hmm. than than after nine eleven. So just to add that piece well, to no,
0: it. Yeah, no, and that's a good point too, because like I shouldn't assume that it's out of any sort of particular animus. Um, so thank you for that. Um, but the other thing that really strikes me is that your reaction of, okay, yes, I like not, not to just brush it off your reaction of, okay, I'll give you information, you know, your and your desire to, to do that. That strikes me as rather extraordinary, Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, again, I
1: think I just didn't. One, I didn't know what the alternative was. You know, when I think mm. there are there are a lot of a lot of points here. One is, I grew up in a culture where teachers are extremely respected and valued. Uh. So when a teacher is asking you to do something, it's like your parents is asking you to do something. You know, you don't negotiate that. Right. Which I know that's not how most people operate, but. That's how I operated. Two, um, I think I was old enough slash I have enough background as an immigrant kid and as someone who lived in a world where people just don't know about each other enough. And I'm talking on both sides, like as an immigrant in in, in a community that you live in, Um, Mm -hmm. where misinformation really um, harmed a lot of people. And prevented people from mm-hmm. being their authentic self. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't using those words back then. But I think I understood it enough to understand <laughs> right. that the only way we could break that cycle and, and bridge the gap at that point that I saw existed between my immigrant Yemeni Muslim community and my larger white Christian society that I lived and existed in and cared about and was friends with their kids and went to their you know to schools that were shaped that way I saw a gap and I saw myself as someone who was kind of bridging that gap through teaching both sides about each other um so that's Mm -hmm. that's that's where you know I'm gonna go home and ask (laughs) Glee I love that (laughs) I I completely forgot what it was called
0: I was listening, I was actually listening to a different podcast um, a couple days ago and there was some women around our age who have the podcast and they were like, yeah, ask Jeeves. And I was like, oh my God, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) what were we doing back then? What was our, anyway? Back when we had flip phones and my mom yelled at me for getting on the web browser on my phone because it took too much data. All the way. (laughs) Oh my God. I never had one of those. I it was it was only my space for me and I cannot tell you how much anxiety I had about ranking my friends. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 The <laughs> struggle was real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the other thing that I was kind of thinking about with the fact that you would like go and and research this information and then bring it back to your teachers is like that actually seems almost like a direct translation for the work that you have been doing yeah you know like you so right now your title is outreach and partnerships manager yes yes um so yeah and what that means is
1: i take the information i share it with people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, like I said, we do a lot of research on just, you know, a lot of things that you could think of. We we do research mm-hmm. that impact the Muslim American community internally. So how are Islamic schools operating in the U.S. and are they actually serving the needs of our students? Um, are our mosques welcoming to all members of our, of our community? Um... Mm-hmm. You know, what does marriage and divorce look like in our community? What are the youth issues that we face as a religious minority? Um, But also we do research on, you know, my background as a political science student um, on democracy, you know, Islamophobia Mm -hmm. and how it impacts not just Muslims, but literally our democracy, Um, civic engagement. How does that look like uh, among people of faith, um, including American Muslims? Um, And so, you know, so issues that impact both the, in the Muslim and the larger uh, societies. And so what I do is I take that research and I get it out mm-hmm. uh, to the public. But more, more importantly, I get it out to the hands of people who are uh, what we call change agents. So mm-hmm. teachers, um, I'm actually in the process of mm-hmm. scheduling, not scheduling, of, of uh, finalizing a teacher training for the 17th of September. Um, that will talk to teachers about how do you teach about American Muslims and how do you address um, Sensitive issues like 9-11 um, Also the fact that you know um, About 42% of American Muslim families have mentioned having a kid who was religiously who was bullied because of their religious identity in school mm-hmm. and teachers actually ca- um, account for one fourth uh, one out of every four um, of the situations <sighs> so um, wow. And also getting that work out to policymakers, you know, uh, religious leaders, and so forth. So,
0: yes, continuing the trend. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really cool with the teachers. Um, yeah. What do you have like a favorite policy area, or? Um, I don't know about favorite. There is
1: always, but the, the intersection of. Democracy And I know that might not be a specific area But the intersection of You know Just democracy and its protection Protection mm-hmm. of minority groups Whether religious or otherwise And then gender mm-hmm. That intersection to me is always um, A really good spot
0: I I like that area too <laughs> And it's it's so layered You know yeah. it's so rich in there So yeah. Um, and I feel like it's significantly lacking in exploratory research.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like one thing that I know I always find myself integrating into my work or somehow being in the same, in the space that's, um, like gender-related issues. I'm always in that space, even if I was not trying to be. Um, so that's mm-hmm. a kind of a, Um, underlying thing in my existence.
0: (laughs) Losing all the right terms for it today. (laughs) No, that's, that's a really good point is because it's, you know, we've talked a lot about identity already and it's, it, I think what, what I'm hearing is that you are embracing these different parts of yourself and, you are loving that in your work, yeah. like you are, res- like respecting those pieces through your outreach.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's something that I had to learn because, again, growing up in the area and in the era that we that I did, <laughs> and with the information that I did, I think there was a lot of stigma about you know embracing your your gender identity like being a woman should not be a priority in the work that you do you know that part of mm-hmm. your identity was not valued enough you know what I mean mm-hmm. but through my personal experience and through just my exposure to everything that been going on in the last 20 years and the research that says you know no actually that part of, that matters. That really, really, mm-hmm. I mean, like looking at COVID-19 and the countries that, in the leadership of the countries that were able to handle it better than countries that didn't. There's a very clear sign there that women <laughs> leader, you know, being a woman was part of being able to handle COVID-19 better than countries that didn't have women leadership. I mean, like, I don't, That was very clear, you know? Um, So I think there's something there. And um, I had to come to that realization and embrace it and and be proud of it um, over time. It wasn't something that, you know, was there from the Mm -hmm. get-go.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I love um, your observation about COVID-19 because when I remember, like, when I first, like, saw that data or like, you know, observe that I was like, well, duh. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm always like, and this is not to put my husband on blast. Um, cause he's, he's wonderful. He is caring. He is, he allows me to get on my feminist soapbox and just rage at the world. And he's like, okay, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> but you know, I oftentimes, and this is not every time, but frequently when there's an issue, his response is to freak out and mine is to go, okay, how are we fixing this? I have a list, like I have these tools, let's go. Yeah. And he's still stuck in the problem. You mean you're not emotional about it? <laughs> I know. I know. I, <sighs> those, I know. Those, I know. I <laughs> know. yeah I mean and I think
1: that's that's um we do spend a lot of time analyzing the problem you know but I think like I'm the type of person that analyzes the problem before it happens (laughs) so I'm you know I'm the one who in a meeting or when we're planning I'm like so um what's our plan b just in case this doesn't work out and Um, Have you really thought about that question? You know, this group is going to say this thing about this piece of information once it gets out. So I'm like, I'm the one who's predicting the worst before it happens. Not because I'm trying to be negative, but because again, I have experienced it enough in my personal and professional life to know those things happen. You are so much better off when you prepare for that. Like Mm -hmm. when you know what you're getting yourself into, you could address it right away and spend less time freaking out doesn't mean i don't freak out i do the freaking out after i'm done (laughs) handling the situation and then i go to my corner and like cuss the world out but at least it's done
0: (laughs) you know Uh, yeah yeah absolutely i think like one of my personal mottos is you know plan for the worst hope for the best bingo just makes sense yeah Thank you for listening to the podcast. Allison Putt is the host. Matt Kaczynski is the audio wizard. Cassie Lee Kasner made the cover art. You can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Feminine Pod. The website is FemininePod.com. That's Eminent with an F, pod.com. If you want to support the show, you can donate on Patreon at patreon.com slash feminine or follow the show on social media or subscribe however you listen. Till next time.